Ugh, I'm so tired. It's going to be an exhausting day. How am I going to get through it? Uh, by flipping the script. Hey, what's up, friend? Today, I'm talking about negativity bias. And that is exactly what it looks like in my life sometimes. It's the whole idea of putting more weight on negative stuff than positive stuff. And our brains are actually really good at learning from bad experiences and really bad at learning from good experiences. And that includes our thought patterns as well as our emotions. I'm digging into why we do it and what we can do about it. Hey friend, I'm Hannah Lapsansky, and you're listening to the Moms Grab Coffee podcast, where moms share how they find peace and joy in the chaotic beauty that is motherhood. If you're stressed, overwhelmed, and exhausted, come join us to fill yourself up with hope and wisdom from moms who are in it too, and who will always point you back to Jesus. So negativity bias. This bias is the reason why we recall bad first impressions much better than good first impressions and why we remember insults more than we do praise. Think about this. If you're a working mom like me and you are getting your quarterly or annual review, it is glowing. You are doing fantastic, but you could be doing one thing a little bit better. After you have that conversation, what is the thing that you're going to focus on? If you're like me, it's going to be that one thing. The rest of the stuff, cool, doing good, all right, uh, but uh, I failed at that other thing. Oh, it's a terrible review. Or what about mom life? Things are going swimmingly. You're feeling good. You're feeling joyful. Uh, for once, you're not stressed. And then we see another mom doing something better. Maybe they are uh, better at giving kids more nutritious foods. Maybe they aren't giving their kids dino nuggets five out of the seven days of the week. Hello, that's me. Now we see ourselves as a failure. It ruins our entire day. The news is excellent at doing this. They focus on the doom and gloom. I mean, the headlines that you read, they really capture your attention, right? We gravitate towards that. I'll give you one more personal example. I got married back in 2015 in the U.S. Virgin Islands uh, in St. Thomas. It was a destination wedding. My family's from Maryland. My husband's family uh, is in Chicago. And so we thought, you know what? Rather than making one side of the family travel, let's just make everyone travel. So we picked this beautiful destination and uh, was so fortunate and grateful that nearly 80 friends and family were able to travel down and join us to celebrate our wedding. Everyone had a fantastic time. The food was delicious. The cake was even more delicious. The venue was beautiful. The weather was a bit rocky. It was pouring rain the morning of my wedding. But by the time we had our first look in our ceremony, the rain had completely stopped. And keep in mind that we had never, ever been to St. Thomas before. The first time I tasted my food, the first time I tasted my cake was actually at my wedding. I didn't do any tastings prior. Um, I did look up, you know, reviews for all of my vendors um, as well as the venue, but you know, that was kind of it. But the one thing I still have a really hard time getting over is my DJ. 
Now, he did a great job during the reception. Everyone had a really fun time. He picked really great music. But the one thing that he did not do is prepare the music for my entrance during the ceremony. What he had planned to do was just uh, stream my selection, uh, which I still don't understand. Why would you do that instead of just downloading the thing? So what happened was I was at my ceremony. I uh, was getting ready to walk down the aisle and the music was not playing. So I'm looking over at the DJ. I'm looking at my wedding planner and they're kind of like messing with the computer. Uh, And so I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. And they look over at me and they kind of shrug their shoulders. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck is going on? I almost walked right over there in front of the crowd to uh, to go check it out. But, you know, I just decided, all right, I'm just going to walk down the aisle with no music. So that's what I did. And some people thought that I just did that on purpose. Uh, luckily, there were some sounds from the ocean coming through. Uh, but uh, I look back on my wedding and it still makes me upset. And I forget all of the really, really great things that actually happened. That was just one tiny part. And frankly, you know, about 30 seconds out of the a four-hour wedding. But that's where I recognize, okay, this is negativity bias. Yes, it wasn't great. Yes, it kind of sucked. Yes, I'm still upset about it. But you know what? I have to focus my mind on the positive. I have to reframe how I'm thinking about my wedding. Okay. Okay. So I'm cooling down from that. Uh, Let's talk about where negativity bias actually comes from. So it is a psychological phenomenon that is thought to have come from evolution. And so uh, when we think about evolution, when we think about our ancestors, they were exposed to a lot of immediate environmental threats uh, that we really no longer have to worry about. So things like predators. And today, it can be really dangerous if we're constantly embracing our negativity bias because it leads to things like anxiety and depression and higher levels of stress that then translate to different actions and physiological responses. So how do we challenge it and start to think more positively? Well, it's going to take some work, but it is possible. And as faith mamas here, the very first thing we're going to lean into is scripture. A number of my guests have been on the show to talk about how we combat negative uh, self-talk. Nikki Hardy from last week, uh, Julie Plagans from episode 12, there's Taylor Irby uh, from episode 25. Uh, In a few weeks, I'll have Katie Ferris on the show to talk about uh, the ways she combats uh, negative self-talk. So this is a really important topic um, that we continue to discuss on the show because it really is critical. It really is um, an important way that we protect our joy and protect our heart. Okay, so going back to that number one battle strategy, using scripture to combat that negativity bias. One of the Bible verses that I've been writing pretty much every day uh, comes from Romans 8, 6, and it says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
And I write that down every single day so that my heart can really embrace it and so that my mind can uh, use it to combat any kind of biases that are coming into play. So when I start thinking that uh, no one really cares what I'm doing or uh, I'm not doing enough or it doesn't matter, I don't matter, well, that's my sinful nature at play and it does lead to uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual death. I become much more uh, depressed and stressed and I start digging deeper into my pity hole. Does that sound right? A pity hole? (laughs) You know what I mean. So as I'm writing this verse down, I'm also asking God to help me believe it. Because if we are wired to lean into the negative, we're going to need some supernatural help to get over it, right? Another thing to do with scripture is to repeat it out loud over and over and over again. Because when we say things out loud, it slows our mind down and it slows those negative thoughts down, which then slows the physical effects of those negative thoughts manifesting slow down as well. So repeat it out loud. If Romans 8, 6 resonated with you, I'm going to say it one more time. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So take a moment, register uh, that scripture, or maybe it's another uh, verse Let it register in your brain so that you can start rewiring uh, that negativity bias to become more positive. The next battle strategy, I know you've heard it because I've heard it from everywhere and everyone, practice gratitude. And when you're doing that, attribute it to God. Attribute it to God's goodness because this is not about uh, digging ourselves out of that negativity bias, this is about bringing God along too, right? And the more we can bring God into our conversations around gratitude, into our conversations of even where we're struggling, the more we will feel his presence. A key way I like to practice gratitude uh, with God is in the mornings. What I do is reflect on the goodness of God that I saw yesterday. And that really helps me anchor to God before I get into all of my tasks and all of my to-dos for that day. I also have a list of Bible verses that I pulled together uh, based on a lot of common feelings that I feel and that you probably feel as well. So when I'm feeling anxious or discouraged or just simply exhausted, I have Bible verses that I can quickly reference and get myself refreshed especially when I'm really feeling in the dumps. If you think that'll help you, I'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can go get it. Okay, I have two more battle strategies before we close out. Battle strategy number two, frame it. It's kind of like looking at two sides of the same coin. I'm sure many of you have heard this before, but if you take a glass and there's liquid in it, you can either look at that and say the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. So as you're going about your day, what lens are you using? When you see a messy house, do you see a day where uh, kids got to play with all of their toys instead of sitting on their screens? When you see dishes piled up, Do you see a family that's been well-fed and who are taking care of their bodies? 
or do you see a bunch of chores? Now, cleaning up a messy house and washing dishes uh, are important. I'm not saying that they're not, but it's how you perceive them that can make all the difference. So instead of framing things negatively, because that is what we are going to do, that is what we are kind of wired to do, take a moment, pause, and reframe. And the last battle strategy, watch the words you're using because they can have such a great subconscious impact on our minds, emotions, and even our actions. This is something that I was convicted of recently. Actually, there are two examples. One is calling it the grind of motherhood. And I've used this in a few episodes, and I'm actually sorry that I did. Because when we use that word grind, it uh, frames it, we were just talking about framing, it frames it as something that is not fun, right? Grinding something means to reduce it into powder or small fragments. When we're grinding something, it becomes smaller. It minimizes, right? And so when I say, you know, it's the grind of motherhood, I'm minimizing motherhood. Motherhood is a beautiful thing. It's something to be celebrated, not something that we grind down. Now, I'm not saying motherhood isn't stressful and it doesn't push us and pressure us because, oh my gosh, it certainly does. And it comes with lots of trials and even suffering. And it's important to acknowledge them. We're going to talk about how we do that in a healthy and productive way with Katie Ferris in a few weeks. Uh, But what I'm talking about is spinning motherhood in a negative way. That's what I mean when I say the grind of motherhood. So I'm not going to call it that anymore (laughs) because I'm going to be careful about the words that I'm using. Another watch out word that I was convicted of recently is life sucks. Is that actually true? Is it actually true that the entirety of my life sucks? I mean, that is a weighty statement. Is it that my life sucks or is it that this moment sucks? Same with a bad day, right? Did you actually have a bad day? A day is 24 hours. So was the entirety of the 24 hours horrible or did you actually have a bad moment? Now, I do not in any way want to minimize what any moms are going through right now. You very well could be having a horrible 24 hours. Or maybe every fiber of your life right now really feels like it does suck. But if you can think about one thing that doesn't, one thing that you're grateful for, one thing that maybe you're blessed with, even if it's simply breath or, you know, the clothes that you're wearing, the house that you might be sitting in right now. Saying life sucks or I had a bad day may give you a quick hit of serotonin affirmation. But after that hit is over, it may actually be doing more harm than good because it is expanding the negative. And if you're expanding the negative, there's less room or even no room for the positive. Now, this is not about always being positive, happy-go-lucky all the time. I think it is good to have a healthy dose of uh, the negative, but when we start to put a lot more weight into the negative and start to uh, ignore or even blot out the positive, that's where our joy and our peace and the life that the spirit can bring to us uh, starts getting erased. 
Okay, so to sum up, battle strategies to combat negative bias. One, with scripture. Two, frame it correctly. Three, watch the words you're using. All right, my friend, I hope you liked this episode and these tips are really useful to you. If you enjoyed it, I'd love it if you take a quick second to rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, That helps this show get out to more moms. And if you know someone who's always negative and always seems to be thinking about, uh, you know, the bad things that are happening in life, maybe they're just suffering from negativity bias. Get them out of that cycle and share this episode with them. Thanks so much, friend. And I'll catch you again next time for a cup of coffee with a side of faith, wisdom, and hope.